Chapter Nine, Part Two of Nana by Emile Zola, translated by Burton Rasco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nine, Part Two. On seeing the count enter, she closed the window. The day was cold, and it was not necessary that curious Madame Bro should overhear them. They looked at one another gravely. Then, as he stood very stiff and speechless, she laughed and said, "Well, so there you are, you big booby." his emotion was so strong that he seemed frozen he called her madame and said how happy he was to see her again so to bring matters to the point that she desired she became more familiar still now don't stand on your dignity as you wish to see me it was not for us to look at each other like a couple of china dogs i suppose we've both been wrong as for me i forgive you and it was agreed that they would not refer to the subject again he nodded his approval he was becoming calmer but as yet could find nothing to say out of the tumultuous flow of words which rushed to his lips surprised at his coldness she played her trump card well now you're reasonable she resumed with a slight smile as we've made our peace let's shake hands and remain good friends for the future how good friends murmured he becoming suddenly anxious yes perhaps it's stupid of me but i was desirous of your esteem at present we've explained matters and if we ever meet each other anywhere we at least won't look like a couple of fools he seemed on the point of interrupting her let me finish what i have to say no man do you hear no man has ever had anything to reproach me with well it vexed me to begin with you we all have our honour my pet but that's not it he exclaimed violently sit down and listen to me and as though he feared she might go away he pushed her on to the only chair he walked about his agitation increasing the little dressing-room close and full of sunshine had a moist warm atmosphere and not a sound from outside reached it except the canaries piercing roulades which in the pauses seemed like the distant trills of a flute listen said he standing before her i have come to take you back yes i want to begin again you know it well so why do you talk to me like this tell me you consent she held down her head and was scratching with her nail the red-coloured rush-seat which appeared to be bleeding beneath her and seeing him so anxious she did not hurry herself at length she raised her face now become serious while to her eyes she had managed to give an expression of sadness oh impossible little man never again will i live with you w why stuttered he as a twinge of intense suffering passed over his countenance why well because it's impossible that's all i don't wish it he looked at her ardently for a few seconds longer then bending his legs he knelt on the floor she looked annoyed and contented herself by adding oh don't be a child but he was already behaving as one fallen at her feet he had seized her round the waist which he squeezed tightly with his face between her knees which he was pressing against his breast when he felt her thus when he felt again the velvet-like texture of her limbs beneath the thin material of her dress his frame shook convulsively and shivering with fever and distracted he pressed harder against her as though he wished to become a part of her the old chair creaked sighs of desire were stifled beneath the low ceiling in the atmosphere rendered foul by stale perfumes well and what next said nana letting him do as he pleased all this will not help you when i tell you it's not possible 
dear me how young you are he became quieter but he remained on the ground he did not let go of her and he said in a voice broken by sobs at least listen to what i came to offer you i have already seen a mansion near the parc monceau i would realize all your desires to have you all my own i would give my fortune yes that would be the only condition all my own you understand me and if you consent to be mine alone oh i should wish you to be the most admired and also the richest carriages diamonds dresses nana proudly shook her head at each offer then as he continued as he talked of settling money on her not knowing what more to lay at her feet she seemed to lose patience come have you finished mauling me about i'm good-natured i let you do it for a minute because you seemed so upset but there now that's enough isn't it let me get up you're tiring me she shook him off when she rose she said no 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 i won't then he regained his feet painfully and having no strength left he dropped on to the chair leaning against the back his face buried in his hands nana in her turn walked about for a moment she looked at the stained wallpaper the greasy dressing-table all over that dirty hole bathed in the pale sunlight then stopping in front of the count she spoke without the slightest emotion it's funny how rich people suppose they can have everything for their money well but if i won't i don't care a pin for your presence you might give me all paris and i would say no and always no it isn't very clean in here as you see well i should think it lovely if it pleased me to live here with you whereas one pines away in your palaces if one's heart isn't there ah money my poor fellow i have some somewhere but let me tell you i dance on money more i spit upon it and she assumed a look of disgust then she went in for sentiment and added in a melancholy tone of voice i know of something that is worth more than money ah if any one gave me what i desire he slowly raised his head his eyes sparkled with hope oh you can't give it to me she resumed it's not in your power to do so and that is why i speak of it to you well this is only between ourselves i wish for the part of the grand lady in their new piece what grand lady murmured he in surprise their duchess helena of course if they think i'm going to play geraldine they're very much mistaken a part of no consequence at all one scene and not much in that besides it's not only that i've had enough of gay women always gay women one would think i've nothing in me but gay women it's become annoying in the long run for i can see clear enough they fancy i'm ill-bred ah well my friend they make a slight mistake when i choose to be the grand lady i do it as well as any one just look at this and she retreated to the window then advanced carrying her head high measuring her steps with the circumspect air of a fat old hen hesitating to dirty her feet he watched her with his eyes still full of tears stupefied by this sudden bit of comedy traversing his anguish she walked about for a while to show all her by-play smiling delicately blinking her eyelids swaying her skirts then stopping in front of him she said well i think that's good enough isn't it oh quite he stammered with a choking sensation in his throat and his glance still dim i told you i could do the grand lady i tried it at home and there's not one of them that has my little air of a duchess who doesn't care a hang for the men 
did you notice when i passed in front of you how i quizzed you that air only comes with the blood and then i want to play the part of a respectable woman it has been my dream it is making me quite unhappy i must have the part do you hear i must have it she spoke in a harsh tone of voice she had become serious now and was greatly affected suffering from her stupid desire Mufa, not yet recovered from the blow of her refusals waited without understanding there was a short silence which was not disturbed by the least sound do you know she resumed without any more beating about the bush you must get that part given to me he was astounded then with a gesture of despair he said but it is not possible you said yourself that i had no power to do so she interrupted him with a shrug of her shoulders you've only to go downstairs and say to bordenave that you want the part pray don't be so simple bordenave is in want of money well you can lend him some as you've such a lot to throw out of the window and as he still argued against it she grew angry very well i understand you're afraid rose won't like it i didn't speak to you of her when you were sobbing on the ground i should have had too much to say about her yes when a man swears to a woman that he will love her for ever he shouldn't go the next day and make up to the first one he meets oh the wound is here i shan't forget it besides my friend it's not so pleasant after all to take the mignon's leavings before you went and made a fool of yourself down at my knees you would have done better to have broken off entirely with that dirty set he kept protesting and ended at last by being able to say a few words but i don't care a button for rose i will cast her off at once nana appeared to be satisfied on that point she resumed then what is it that bothers you bordenave's the master you'll tell me that besides bordenave there's faucherie she spoke slower now she was arriving at the delicate part of the matter Mufa, his eyes fixed on the ground said nothing he had remained in a voluntary ignorance respecting faucherie's assiduities for the countess gradually quieting his suspicions and hoping that he had been mistaken on that frightful night passed by him in the doorway of the rue Thébault. but he entertained a certain repugnance and a secret anger against the man well what faucherie isn't the devil repeated nana feeling her way wishing to find out how things were between the husband and the lover it's easy enough to get over faucherie he is at the bottom a very decent fellow i assure you well it's understood you'll tell him it's for me the mere idea of such an undertaking was revolting to the count no no never cried he she waited this phrase came to her lips faucherie can refuse you nothing but she felt that it would be rather too strong an argument to use only she smiled and her smile which was a peculiar one seemed to speak the words Mifa, glancing up at her face lowered his gaze again and looked pale and embarrassed ah you're not at all obliging murmured she at length i cannot said he in a voice full of agony everything you wish but not that my love oh i pray you so she did not waste any more time in arguing with her little hand she bent back his head then stooping forward she pressed her lips to his in one long embrace a thrill passed through his frame he started beneath her his eyes were closed his reason gone and she raised him from his seat go said she simply 
he walked he moved towards the door but as he was about to leave the room she took him once more in her arms and looking up at him meekly and coaxingly she rubbed her cat-like chin against his waistcoat where is the mansion asked she in a very low voice in the confused and laughing way of a child returning to some good things it would not at first look at in the avenue de villiers and are there any carriages yes and lace and diamonds yes oh how kind you are my ducky you know just now it was because i was jealous and this time i swear to you shan't be like the first for now you know what a woman requires you give me everything don't you then i shan't have to want anything to do with anyone else look they're only for you now that and that and that when she had pushed him outside after stimulating him with a shower of kisses on his face and hands she stood a moment to take breath good heavens what a stench there was in the dressing-room of that untidy mathilde it was warm in there just like a room in the south of france with the winter sun shining upon it but really it smelt too much of stale lavender water and of other things not very clean nana opened the window she looked out as before and examined the glass roof of the passage to pass the time away Mufa staggered downstairs with a buzzing in his ears what was he to say how could he enter into this matter which was none of his business as he reached the stage he heard sounds of quarrelling they were finishing the second act Prullière was in a fury because faucherie had wished to strike out one of his speeches strike them all out then cried he i would rather you did that what i haven't two hundred lines and now some of those are to be taken away no i've had enough of it i throw up my part he pulled out of his pocket a crumpled little memorandum and turned it over in his trembling hands as though about to throw it on to cossard's knees his injured vanity convulsed his pale face his lips being tightly compressed and his eyes on fire without his being able to conceal that internal revolution he Prullière, the idol of the public to perform a part of two hundred lines why not make me bring in letters on a salver resumed he bitterly come Prullière, do be pleasant said bourdonnave who humoured him on account of his influence on the people in the boxes don't begin your complaints again we will find you some good effects eh faucherie you'll introduce some effects for him in the third act we could even lengthen one of the scenes then declared the actor i must have the word at the end you certainly owe me that faucherie's silence appeared to give consent and prillière put his part back in his pocket still excited and discontented all the same bosque and fontan during the discussion had assumed looks of supreme indifference every one for himself it did not concern them they took no interest in it and all the actors surrounded faucherie questioning him and fishing for compliments whilst mignon listened to prillière's final complaints without losing sight of count muffat whose return he had been watching for the count remained in shadow at the back of the stage hesitating to advance into the midst of the quarrel but bourdonnave catching sight of him hastened to where he stood aren't they a set of grumblers murmured he you've no idea count what trouble i have with those people they're all more vain one than the other and so disobliging and spiteful always slandering other people and only too delighted if i make myself ill in keeping them to their business but excuse me i'm losing my temper he stopped and silence ensued between them 
mifa was seeking a way of leading up to the subject that occupied his mind but failing in his endeavour he ended by abruptly saying so as to get it over the sooner nana wants to play the part of the duchess Bordenav started violently as he exclaimed pooh that's absurd then glancing at the count he saw him looking so pale so agitated that he regained his composure at once the deuce he added simply and there was again silence between them as for himself he did not care a fig it would perhaps be funny to have that fat nana to play the part of the duchess besides he would thus have a strong hold on mifa so his decision was soon formed he turned round and called faucherie the count made a slight gesture to stop him faucherie did not hear Fontaine had got him up against the proscenium wall and was giving him his ideas of the part of tardivaux the actor thought he should make up as a marseillais with the southern accent which he kept imitating he made whole speeches that way was that the proper rendering of the part he seemed only to be giving his own ideas and which he himself had doubts about but faucherie keeping very cool in the matter and offering numerous objections Fontaine became annoyed at once very well as the correct reading of the part had entirely escaped him it would be far better for every one that he should not play it faucherie Bordenave called again then the young man hurried away glad of the opportunity of escaping from the actor who felt highly indignant at being left in so abrupt a manner don't let us remain here resumed Bordenave. come gentlemen to be out of the way of indiscreet ears he took them to the property room behind the stage mignon watched them go off greatly surprised a few steps descended to the room which was square with a couple of windows looking on to the courtyard the ceiling was low and the dirty window-panes only admitted that dim light usually met with in cellars in pigeon-holes placed about the room was a collection of all sorts of things the turnout of a second-hand dealer of the rue de lappe selling off an odd medley of plates of cups in gilded pasteboard of old red umbrellas of italian pitchers of clocks of every shape and size of trays and inkstands of firearms and squirts the whole heaped anyhow chipped broken unrecognizable and layered with a layer of dust an inch thick and an unbearable stench of old iron and rags and of damp pasteboard arose from the piles formed of the remains of the pieces produced during a period of fifty years come in here said Bordenave. we shall at least be by ourselves the count very much embarrassed moved on a few steps to leave the manager to arrange matters by himself faucherie could not make it all out what's up he asked well it's just this said Bordenave at length an idea has occurred to us now don't jump it's very serious what do you think of nana playing the part of the duchess at first the author was quite bewildered then he burst out oh no you can't mean it it must be a joke every one would laugh at it well it's something to get people to laugh think it over dear boy the count is very much smitten with the idea Mufa, to conceal his emotion had taken an object that he did not seem to recognize from amidst the dust on a shelf it was an egg-cup the foot of which had been mended with plaster he kept it in his hand without knowing he did so and advanced towards the others to murmur yes yes it would be capital faucherie turned round upon him with an impatient gesture the count had nothing to do with his piece and he exclaimed in a decided tone of voice never nana is the gay woman as much as you like but as the grand lady 
not if i know it you do not judge her fairly i assure you resumed muffat becoming bolder only just now she was showing me how well she could play the grand lady where inquired faucherie whose astonishment increased upstairs in one of the dressing-rooms well she did it splendidly oh such distinction she can give such glances too you know in passing this way and with the egg-cup in his hand he tried to imitate nana forgetting himself in the force of his desire to convince the two other men faucherie watched him in amazement he understood and his anger vanished the count who felt his glance upon him in which there was derision and pity combined blushed slightly and stopped well it may be so murmured the author obligingly she would perhaps do it very well only the part is already given we cannot take it away from rose oh if that's all said baldenave i will undertake to manage that but then seeing them both against him understanding that baldenave had some hidden motive for acting as he did the young man not wishing to give way declined again but with increased energy and in a manner not to admit of any further discussion no i say and no and always no even if the part was not filled up i would never give it to her there is that clear enough for you and now let me be i don't want to damn my own peace after this there was an embarrassed silence bourdonneuve thinking himself in the way withdrew some distance off the count stood with his head bowed down he raised it with an effort and said in a broken voice my dear fellow if i ask you to do it as a special favour to myself i cannot i cannot repeated faucherie struggling Mifa's voice became harsher i beg of you i wish it and he looked him straight in the eyes beneath that black look in which he read a menace the young man suddenly gave way stammering confusedly well after all do as you wish i don't care ah you are unfair you will see you will see the embarrassment then became greater faucherie had leant up against some shelves and was nervously stamping on the floor with his foot muffat appeared to be examining the egg-cup very attentively as he continued to turn it round between his fingers it's an egg-cup bourdonneuve obligingly came and said why yes it's an egg-cup repeated the count excuse me you're all covered with dust continued the manager as he replaced the article on a shelf you see it would be impossible to be dusting here every day one would always be at it the consequence is it's not very clean what a mixture isn't it well believe me if you like it represents a lot of money look here and here he led muffat in the greenish light that came from the courtyard in front of all the shelves naming the different articles wishing to interest him in his rag merchant's inventory as he called it then when they had worked their way round to where faucherie stood he said in an easy tone of voice listen as we are now agreed we'll settle this matter at once ah there is mignon for a little while past mignon had been hanging about in the passage at the first words bourdonneuve uttered suggesting an alteration in their agreement he flew into a passion it was disgraceful they wanted to ruin his wife's prospects he would go to law about it bourdonneuve however remained very calm and reasoned with him he did not think the part worthy of rose he preferred to reserve her for an operetta which would come on after the little duchess 
but as the husband still complained he abruptly offered to annul the agreement and spoke of the proposals which the management of the folie dramatique theatre had made the singer then mignon for a moment worsted affected a great disdain for money without however denying the existence of the offers in question they had engaged his wife to play the part of the duchess hélène and she would play it even though it cost him his fortune it was a question of dignity of honour once engaged on this ground the discussion became interminable the manager always reverted to this argument as the folie dramatique people offered rose three hundred francs a night one hundred performances guaranteed whilst she only received one hundred and fifty from him his letting her go meant a profit of fifteen thousand francs for her the husband on his side did not depart from his standpoint that of art what would be said if the part was taken away from his wife that she was not equal to it and had been replaced that would do her a great injury and would lower her artistic standard considerably no no never glory before wealth then all of a sudden he hinted at a compromise according to the agreement if rose threw up her engagement she forfeited ten thousand francs well if they gave her that sum she would go to the folie dramatique theatre bourdonnave could scarcely believe his ears whilst mignon who had not taken his eyes off the count quietly waited then that settles everything murmured mufa with relief we are all agreed ah uh, no by jove it would be too idiotic exclaimed bourdonnave carried away by his business instincts ten thousand francs to get rid of rose you must think me a fool but the count kept signalling to him to agree to the proposal he however still hesitated at length grumbling regretting the ten thousand francs though they were not to come out of his pocket he curtly resumed after all i am willing i shall at least be rid of you for a quarter of an hour past fontan had been listening in the courtyard very curious to know what was going on he had gone and posted himself there when he had heard all there was to learn he returned indoors and gave himself the treat of informing rose ah well they were having a fine talk about her she was done for rose rushed to the property room they all remained silent she looked at the four men muffat bowed his head faucherie answered her inquiring gaze with a despairing shrug of his shoulders as for mignon he was discussing the terms of the agreement with bordenave what's up asked she in a sharp tone of voice nothing said her husband it's only bordenave who's going to give ten thousand francs for the return of your part she was very pale and trembling as she stood there with clenched fists for a moment she looked him straight in the eyes in a revolt of her whole being she who ordinarily quietly submitted to him in all business matters the making of agreements with her managers and her lovers she only found these few words to say which struck him full in the face like the lash of a whip ah really you are too much a coward and then she left them mignon greatly alarmed hastened after her what was the matter was she mad he explained to her in a whisper that ten thousand francs from one side and fifteen thousand francs from the other made twenty-five thousand francs a magnificent stroke of business anyhow it was certain that mifa was going to leave her therefore it was quite evident they ought to congratulate themselves on having succeeded in plucking that last feather from his wing but rose was so enraged she would not answer then mignon left her with disdain to her woman's vexation he said to bordenave who was returning to the stage with faucherie and mufat we will sign the agreement to-morrow morning 
have the money ready nana informed by la bordette of what had taken place arrived triumphant she affected the style of a respectable woman with most distinguished ways just to astonish every one and to prove to those idiots that when she liked not one of them could come up to her but she almost forgot herself rose as soon as she saw her flew at her stammering in a choking voice ah i shall see you again we must have it out do you hear taken off her guard by this sudden attack nana was on the point of putting her fists on her hips and abusing the other roundly she restrained herself however and exaggerating the fluty tone of her voice making the gesture of a marchioness on the point of treading on a piece of orange peel she said eh what you must be crazy my dear and she continued her airs whilst rose went off followed by mignon who scarcely knew her clarisse to her great delight had just had the part of Géraldine given to her by bordenave faucherie moodily stamped about without being able to make up his mind to leave the theatre his peace would be damned he was wondering how he could save it but nana went and seized hold of him by the wrist and asked him if he thought her so very dreadful she would not damn his peace and she made him laugh and let him understand that she might be of assistance to him with mifa if her memory failed her she would make use of the prompter they would pack the house besides he was mistaken in her he would see how she would carry all before her then it was settled that the author should slightly alter the part of the duchess so as to give more to prulière the latter was delighted in the general joy that nana seemed naturally to bring with her fontan alone remained indifferent standing up full in the yellow glare of the gas-jets he showed himself off displaying his sharp goat-like profile and affecting an easy posture nana coolly went up to him and holding out her hand said are you quite well yes pretty well and you i'm very well thanks that was all it seemed as though they had left each other only the night before at the door of the theatre the actors during all this time had been waiting but bordenave at length said they would not rehearse the third act that day punctual for a wonder old busk went off grumbling they were always keeping them without any necessity they made them waste entire afternoons every one went away below arrived on the pavement they blinked their eyes blinded by the bright daylight with the bewilderment of people who have spent three hours quarrelling in the depths of a cellar with a constant strain upon their nerves the count feeling dizzy and overwrought got into a cab with nana whilst la bordette went off consoling faucherie a month later the first performance of the little duchess was a great disaster for nana she was atrociously bad in it she made pretensions to high-class comedy which filled the audience with merriment no one hissed they were all too much amused seated in one of the stage-boxes rose mignon greeted each appearance of her rival with a shrill burst of laughter thus setting off the whole house it was a first revenge and when at night-time nana found herself alone with the count who was very much cut up she said to him furiously what a dead set they made against me it's all jealousy ah if they knew how little i care for it i can do without them all now i'll bet a hundred louis that i'll make all those who laugh to lick the ground at my feet yes i'll teach your paris what it is to be a grand lady End of chapter nine